0: This is Gloria, the host of the Love and the Work You Do podcast. Welcome to today's episode. And this episode is the seventh in the grief series, and it's also the last. So thank you for sticking with us through it all. Today's episode, I have with me Dr. Gloria Ojo, also known in the Nigerian community as Tokumba. Dr. Gloria is a doctoral prepared nurse practitioner with two national certifications, both in psychiatry, mental health and family care practice. She is the founder and CEO of Holistic Touch Healthcare Services, where she treats patients ages five and up. Dr. Tokumbo is passionate about helping people of all races and mentors many young adults to choose a career that's purposeful for them in becoming productive people in the society. And on today's podcast, I go into a deeper conversation with Dr. Ojo. As a medical practitioner, she brought so much insight into the way we grieve. One of the questions that I asked her was about grief. How should we really process grief medically? And I also had Dr. Ojo explain to us the stages of grief. If you're still here listening to this intro, I suggest you grab a pen because today's episode is also as packed as the rest. I asked her the types of grief that we have, and lo and behold, we do now know that divorce is also a sort of grief. And did you know that losing a friend also is a sort of grief? So it's not just all the things we've learned during this podcast series, the loss of a loved one, like a dad or the father of their children or of miscarriage, but that a divorce is considered a sort of grief. And how should we grieve a friendship? How should we grieve a relationship? Should we try to communicate to patch and restore that relationship? We dig into all of these questions. I asked Dr. Ojo to elaborate on the phrase, how we handle grief determines how we recover. So, if everything that I've discussed so far sounds like something that you're interested in, come on in, pull up a chair, and let's learn together. Hi, Dr. Tox. Hello, how are you? I am good. I am so excited to have you here today. (laughs) Thank you. It's a pleasure being here. Awesome, awesome. So one of the reasons why I wanted you here was so we could do um, a deep dive of some sort into grief. Um, A lot of people have lost people close to them um, in the last... What, 12 months maybe or 11 months and um, you know I feel like in March everyone was so far removed from maybe having one person close to them having lost someone and then fast forward to maybe like December of 2020 you know you could point to oh I know a friend of a friend you know, or a family member that had passed um, due to COVID. And like I tell everybody, like everyone that died in 2023 is still COVID related. You, you know, you could be majorly impacted, um, having a diagnosis, or maybe just like an after effect because of your condition. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like I am definitely um, lucky to have you here. We can dig deep because of your medical background into, into grief. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the questions that I would love to ask before we even go deeply into talking about grief is um, the title of this podcast. And that is, you know, it's called the loving the work you do.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: yeah, and it's not a coincidence, it's, it's just because for some people, you know, maybe at five years old, they know what they want to be, and then there are some people for whom it takes like a lifetime to figure out, you know, the, the path. The, I call it the calling, your vocation, your life, work, but it's something that you dedicate yourself to, um, and I feel like you have um, found that was wondering if you wouldn't mind sharing, which I'm sure you don't because you mentor a lot of people. (laughs) (laughs) Um, If you don't mind sharing how you landed um, in your role as a psychiatric nurse practitioner, you have a master's, you have a PhD, you're a doctor, you took time out. Mm -hmm. Please tell us how you did this and then to start your own business also. That's amazing.
1: Yeah, thank you. Um, it's been a long road. I've always had passion and caring for people, and I have a deep passion for people's health. So um, it, it really just came naturally for me. Um, I come from a family of uh, many healthcare professionals. So it was just almost like second nature into getting into the uh, healthcare industry, in particular, being a nurse. Um, I've been a nurse for close to 22 years now, and um, I just love what I do. I love to see people get better, whether it be emotional or physical and also help families to go through some of the losses because health is not always at the end of the day, not always uh, the result of someone's health may not necessarily always be laughter. There could be some sadness that comes with that. So we have to see not just the person that you're treating but also the family and how it impacts them. So that passion drove me all the way to getting uh, my doctorate degree um, in trying to just be almost, I wouldn't say an expert, but get deep understanding of the nursing career and being able to help people along the way, Um, whether it be someone that was introduced to me, um, not necessarily my patient, but um, as a mentor or student, someone just coming in fresh and just wanting to ask questions about Mm. the career path. So um, I'm very passionate about what I do um, and I love to see people do well overall. So that drove me into uh, my career path at this point. I've been blessed, I would say, that um, I have uh, certifications and degree in the uh, medical aspect of nursing as well as psychiatric. So I do have an overview of the entire person, so to speak. So, and uh, recently, just opened my own uh, private practice in Glen Burnie, Maryland. <laughs> in Glen Burnie, Maryland, so um, very, very um, excited about what what is yet to come. And so far, the patients and families that I've
0: impacted has been all positive, so to speak. Okay, awesome. Thank you for sharing that. Um, no, it's not easy finishing a doctorate degree. So, um, thanks for you know, pushing through to the end. Thank you. I'm being that light for the next generation. So my next question would just be generally about grief. Like if, um, if we were to do grief well, what would grief look like if someone processed it well?
1: Well, generally um, people process grief in different dimensions depending on the person's background, um, ethic beliefs um, and who they're surrounded with. That person is able to uh, process grief um, in a very different uh, way. So those factors uh, really play a huge role in how people uh, process grief. So, but generally anybody that goes to grief generally have several uh, stages that they go through regardless of um, their background or who's there to support them. So there's that element of denial initially, um, anger, bargaining, um, acceptance, and you know there's a moment of depression as well. Um, So it really depends you know some people never really unfortunately get over grief so to speak. (laughs) You know, Mm. they just plow through the years and, um, but there's that aspect of the grief that just stays on just in their mind. Some people are able to go through grief and sort of overcome it to a certain extent. So generally there's really no definite measure, uh, to Mm. say that, oh, this is what you will have to do to get through the grieving process. So, everybody's very, very different in how they process grief and how they're able to handle it.
0: Okay. That, um, you know, I want to believe that that is true. <laughs> true. Um, I know that I have definitely processed it differently. And I've seen other people on social media um, and um, colleagues at work process it differently wherever I wait. Like, did that person just lose someone like why mm. they like doing that and then it happens to you and and then you see okay you also handle it differently mm-hmm. um I know for me I've been sharing a lot about grief because um just generally that is just me like if I learn something I want to share with other people um but then I see other people like you know they 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 don't share griefy stuff, if I can oh. call it that, you know, they share all the empowering stuff. And then I look and I'm like, wow, that's how they're handling their grief, you mm. know? And, um, so it gives me a different perspective. Um, definitely on what grief is. I think that it would be nice if you're going to explain the stages of grief to, um, to, us cuz i know you you mentioned it while you were talking i mm-hmm. i wonder if that's something we could look into
1: yes absolutely so the usual the first uh, the first aspect of grief is denial you know like oh no, how this couldn't have happened. Why, is, why did this happen? It's not true. You know, you expect, uh, depending on the degree of relationship that individual has with, let's say you lose a loved one, uh, a spouse or, or a sibling or a parent, you know, depending on the level of relationship you have with that individual, the, 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 that stage could be very detrimental um, because you're expecting a call or you're expecting them to show up or you're expecting a text message or you're expecting some form of, um, uh, communication from them and the person is gone. So the denial process can be really, really shocking, Mm. you know, and, um, a lot of people tend to stay, stay in this state for a little bit, so to speak. And then in a way, after they sort of get out of that, uh, stage they move on to being angry you know why and when I say angry not necessarily like throwing things or getting agitated so to speak but there's emotional anger there's you know emotional agitation you know like mm-hmm. why why did this really happen and there's just upset you know and that's in that stage people have different ways of expressing that you know they become more irritable so to speak um, a, a lot of people they can just shut down you know, and uh, try not to express their anger. So, you know, that stage can also be, you know, really tough. So a lot of support is needed in every stage. And then the third stage is where, you know, you begin to bargain. It's called the bargaining stage. And the bargaining stage uh, happens um, where generally there's this feeling of, a higher power, like you, you see, like, why, you know, you're, you're just trying to want to see maybe could, could something change? Could something have changed? Depending on the person's faith, they, they kind of maybe would have a question about their religion or their faith and say, you know, why is this sort of happening to me? You know, mm-hmm. why me? Why is, why does my husband have to die now? Why does my child have to die now? You know, and you, you sort of feel like, you're bargaining with that higher power, like depending Mm. on the person's faith, so to speak. So, you know, you want, you want to say, well, if I do this, maybe they would be, they can come back to life, so to speak, you know? So even though it's something that can have, cannot happen, but that stage remains there. Hmm. And then uh, next to that is the depressive stage, Mm. you know, People tend to have different ways of how they express this stage, and it could come in from of just wanting to isolate. Okay. You know, want to isolate and just want to be left alone. Um, crying, of course, is a big one in, in this stage. People cry a lot, um, and they're feeling really overwhelmed and frustrated. You know about you know what next do I do? I can't really move on from this you know this death or this loss, um, and people do lose not just people per se, but also their pets, or it could be a relationship, um, or it could be a job, something that they care for, they love, and they lose that uh, thing. Could it be animal or even a house, so to speak? So um, the stage of depression can really be a tough one, and. At, at some point at that stage, depending on how the person is able to handle the depressive state, they may require medication. Hmm. You know, They may require medication because when someone's depressed, they have very difficult time sleeping, uh, severe depression. They can have difficult time eating um, and they don't have uh, energy. You know, they're, energy, they're just fatigued and tired, whether it be physical or emotional, you know, and this can go on for weeks. You know, they can try to um, even go through the process of making preparations for the burial or whatnot, but the depressive stage, you know, can be really tough. And then the last stage is where a lot of people struggle to be become, which is acceptance. Mm -hmm. You know, truly trying to accept that this has happened and what is the next step? What do I do Mm -hmm. from this point? So acceptance of someone's passing or losing a loved one its it can be tough. It can be really, really tough, but at this stage is, I mean, every stage does certainly need support, but acceptance is even the stage where support is so much needed, you know, because you have, when one is able to accept a, a, a situation, probably able to move past it in a better way so if they're not accepting of this even though they're no longer here they've actually buried the person they're six feet under but they're still struggling to accept it's going to be really tough to to really move past that so acceptance is a very very critical stage um, where because it's the moment of okay taking a deep breath and saying what next so to speak mm. and a lot of people struggle to remain in
0: that stage wow so so deep thank you so much for those um five stages and as we got to number five um acceptance i was really thinking that was it you know that (laughs) but it seems like you you do have a lot of work to do when you get to the acceptance stage like you said if i have the facts that the person in fact was buried, but I choose not to accept it. Then we're back to the beginning, almost again, where you're denying them. Mm-hmm.
1: There's a the, there could be like a circle, circle wow. of, of stages, and I mean those are the stages. However, people do can fluctuate in okay. different areas of the stages. Um, you know, there's that moment of initial when this the person loses someone or something that is dear to them. They kind of go through the stages, but the acceptance is a truly a tough one. And sometimes people can, even from the depressive stage, get super angry again, so to speak. You know, so they can actually move from different areas uh, depending on the person's, how strong they are emotionally and how they're able to have the great support
0: that is needed when someone loses a loved one. Wow, so it's almost like if someone was seeing you um, or someone that could help them with their loss, at the stage of acceptance, you actually have to keep an eye on the person to make sure that they are progressing as they should.
1: Absolutely. There, we okay. don't want to see any sort of regression. Okay.
0: okay.
1: You know, if we see a regression. That means the person is having a really hard time, um, and acceptance can take a while. I mean, a lot of people, generally, depending on the relationship of the person that they have lost or what they have <laughs> lost, um, they can grieve for almost a lifetime. Mm. So the acceptance may may the acceptance stage may never really truly happen. You know, they just are powering along, but the acceptance stage doesn't truly happen. And that's what you see in those stages where um, maybe people decide not to even, let's say if someone dies at a hospital. They don't even want to associate anything to do with that hospital because it's hard for them to accept. You see what I'm saying? Mm. Or some people um, generally say, you know what, I would never date again. Let's say mm-hmm. it's a loss of a relationship that mm-hmm. they really were hundred percent in, and over time there was just issues that happen, and they have to the relationship has to end, traumatically, um, so to speak. You know, they could say, you know what, I'll, I'll, I'll never date again, and they remain as such. You know, wow. so um, some people may say that you know they would never marry again, so to speak. So different people have different um, areas of how they're able to handle. Um, the stages
0: of, of gr- grieving, so to speak. Wow. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Thank you. I learned something. Woo. Wow. Okay. So, <laughs> when you were talking about grief, uh, the stages, I just could feel myself. Of course, you know me personally, you know that I am divorced. But I was like, wait, I went through all these stages. <laughs> and by the grace of God, not even regarding my dad passing, but as someone who went through the divorce, I went through the stages. And it's just mind blowing that a loss is a loss. Mm. It's not just death. we lost, yes, it's not just losing a person, it's not just death. I have never associated being divorced as grief. Mm. And, and the beauty of doing this grief series podcast is that I've seen various forms of grief. Mm. I feel like at the end, I'll be more empathetic. Like you said, you could lose a pet. You could lose a relationship but no one ever told me that that was grief but i see that i have gone through the stages hallelujah (laughs) um so just wanted to put that there for for anyone else who's relating to the stages but more for their own personal life Mm. you know this is definitely powerful stuff So, how can I grieve a relationship that I lost? How should I grieve it well?
1: Well, it it depends on the level of the relationship you have with this person. You know, let's say it's a romantic and intimate relationship. Um, A lot of people struggle in the first few weeks, maybe months, sometimes years, so to speak, because of how invested they were in this individual, Mm -hmm. you know? So there is no measurement of how do you grieve, but in in the proper sense of it, one has to, you know, have a sense of normalcy after you feel upset and you're angry about why will this happen to me? Or why will this happen, you know, to me at this point of my life? You know, I, I thought everything was fine. And there is that, like I said, the moment of crying, being angry and feeling depressed. However, you know, over time, one is able to, to try to see things in a positive light. Because it depends on the situation that caused the loss of the relationship. And generally, there is a negative connotation about that, you know, because you can't be in love with someone and say, well, I'm going to get rid of you. So mm-hmm. there is a negative thoughts, negative notions, um, some form of anger, you know, uh, trauma, so to speak, mm-hmm. emotional trauma that comes with ending a relationship. So my mindset is, if you do a self-reflection, and looking at the root cause analysis of why this relationship <laughs> has to end.
0: I'm sorry, I had to laugh. <laughs> That's like a lot of work.
1: <laughs> you know, if you had to, if you have to do a self-reflection and you're actually digging deep, then you're able to sort of get over the, the grief quickly. If mm-hmm. it's a negative, you know, where you have to be working on, you know shells and just really agitated and you're emotionally overwhelmed with the individual being around you know this is not even good for you as an individual so if the relationship has to end um yes it's painful it's you know you feel sad and you're mm-hmm. upset and but for peace of mind and living a, a life that is quote-unquote free of this negative aura
0: hmm
1: you're able to get over it a little bit quickly, so to speak. And when I say a little bit quickly is relative. Some people may be in a relationship for years and then you know when they have to end the relationship, um, they may truly not get over it until about another year or two, so to speak, mm-hmm. because of how invested they were emotionally.
0: Mm, yeah. Some of us, um, <clears throat> you may know this book, but there's a book called <laughs> Women Who Love Too Much. I think yes. that's the title. We love hard.
1: We yeah. love really hard. Yes.
0: When yes. we love because
1: we love really hard, we're deeply hurt. Yes. yes. You know, yeah. So, so that's why you see a lot of um, women, uh, they have a very tough time um, getting over uh, a significant loss when it comes through romantic relationships, even with friends, you know, mm-hmm. someone you've known each other for a long time and you share secrets and you gossip together, you go out together, you socialize together. And then all of a sudden there's this rift that uh, comes and you have to end the relationship. It's, it can be painful, mm. you know, it can be painful. And if it's a, a friend friendship relationship, whether two females, you know, they're they're both hurting. And um, especially the, depending on the degree of affection that they have for each other. So even the relationship with two two females being a platonic relationship, um, it's even harder because they're both females and they we love hard, so to
0: speak. Mm, mm, mm. Okay. So my spirit is saying we should dig into this one a little bit deeply. Um, a lot of relationship problems, I feel like, stems from communication maybe or or lack of it
1: Mm -hmm. poor Mm -hmm.
0: but i for one maybe also as a christian believe that we should have difficult conversations but i also know that some of us meaning i'll use myself are sensitive to Mm. to feedback to words generally um so let's use me as an example if i have a relationship that i feel was good or maybe it was just in my head that the relationship was good but then the relationship fell apart like How do you even start the communication process? I'm going to put a pin on that. I know it's a lot of statements I just put together. But what I'm trying to get at is that I notice it's hard for us, maybe as women or maybe just uh, demographics things, things where you grew up. But I feel like sometimes it's hard for people to come out and say, I'm sorry, or to even say, hey, let's have a discussion about the gap situation, right? Like, I feel like we're not where we used to be, but can we have a conversation about it? Like, how do you even say that?
1: I mean, it depends on on the individual, you know, you know, sometimes it depends on how mature the person's mind is Mm. once you recognize that there is a gap or there is some form of conflict that you can't really put your hand on it's always advised to approach but with caution
0: Mm.
1: you know um if you are someone that you know you really do care about this individual and you have noticed that your relationship is not like it used to to be it's always a good thing to um sort of have, a, have it play in your mind, how you're gonna relate this difficult and sensitive conversation to this individual without being angry or having um, to, when, when it comes to the person, because when you approach this person and you come in an aggressive manner, so to speak or agitation, the person can shut down, mm-hmm. you know, or it can even worsen the situation. So one has to have a mind of sort of being a peacemaker, like you're going in, you're not going in to, um, you know, make the situation worse. Rather, you're going to de-escalate the problem and try to find out what really happened. So if you have to just do a a mind realtor before you're going to talk to this person, knowing who they are, Mm. you know, you have to know who you're also dealing with to a certain degree. You know mm-hmm. if i know that you gloria you are very sensitive um i as an individual would find a way to let you understand um where what's going on with me my feelings and how we can possibly uh deal with the situation so it doesn't occur again because we don't want this conflicts to reoccur over and over and then it strains the relationship so to speak so yes communication can be very very difficult and quite sensitive but having a mature mind and having a mindset of being a peacemaker you know helps in the way you communicate and sometimes you would all if it's very quite difficult i would say write it write down your your thoughts and be factual you know don't tie into a emo- don't try into too much emotions just mm. state the facts, you know and then kind of go from there depending on the vibe you get from the next and the, the, the person you're talking to so to speak so it can be quite difficult when it comes to talking about um sensitive situations but we have to talk about it no matter how difficult it is you know and but the approach and the manner that um the communication is being set the foundation makes a difference in how the other person sees it
0: Mm.
1: their perception goes a long
0: way that means we need to also pray and fast (laughs) for before we go i don't know about that but
1: you know it depends it depends on i mean and i think generally we we as people we as a people we we sort of know when things are a little rocky you know yeah. we have that incl- inclination that okay my relationship with i call her every day we talk all the time and then you know three weeks we're not talking and something mm-hmm. may have led to that so to speak. So it's always good to, you know, you have that inclination that um, something is not quite right. You know, you kind of already have an idea.
0: That's true.
1: You know, nothing just springs up on you, so to speak.
0: So have you had situations where you've talked to people about that in particular, like a, a friendship situation and how do you do deal with the fifth stage in that type of situation? Like, should I go in knowing that they, the relationship will turn around? Um, or should I go in with no expectation at all?
1: I think it would be good to go in with no expectation. So you're mm. not
0: hurt either way.
1: Mm. You know, just have a neutral mindset you know, having that neutral mindset goes a long way because you just don't know, you know how you can communicate the best way you can, but the other individual, you know, you may think you know them, but they, they can, uh, flip, flip a switch on you. Mm -hmm. So you necessarily don't know how they can react no matter how calm and mature you are, you know, even having, having that mindset of being peaceful and wanting to get to the bottom of why this occurred. Um, so, you know, just have a mindset of being neutral and whatever situation the relationship ends or the situation ends, you're ready to accept that and move on. So um, I I truly believe relationships, um, you know, are not, many are not meant to be forever. You know, they're, they're seasonal. You know, there's a time where you would have a relationship. Well, it's true. There's a time where you have a relationship where, you know, things will fall apart. And you try to fix it. And sometimes is it, you can't fix it for you try your very best. And some relationships, you are very close, you understand each other, you have issues, you have conflicts, and you have a way to deal with them. And then the relationship continues on. Mm. So to and um, so, you know, j- just have that mindset of, if it works, it works. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. You know, mm. don't, carry that burden on you because mm. you as an individual have tried. So for me, you know, I try to not um, be burdened with things uh, that can weigh me down. Okay. So I try to talk to the individual and sometimes it may take me some time because I'm trying to process the right thing to say. Um, I may not uh, address the situation right away, but, um, but because I don't want to internalize pain, you know, I come up with a way uh, to try to approach the situation and have this mindset of if it works, it works. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Of course, there will be that grieving stage um, if it doesn't work. But over time, um, depending on the level of the relationship, I may get over it sooner than expected, or it might take a while.
0: hmm Wow. That's something. So how, how do you prepare yourself to, to have the conversation to, to not be, to not be weighed down by it? Like you said.
1: Yeah. I generally look at the, what could have occurred prior to the situation that happened. Okay. You know, that gives me a good understanding of what may have occurred because I would look at things, you know, from my perspective and possibly the other person's perspective. And that gives me an understanding of how I can approach the situation. Because mm. mm. I don't want to just be quote unquote selfish. I want to also see things from their perspective. Okay. And that gives me a better platform on how the communication can begin. Okay. okay. You know Um, I mean it's easier said than done but generally um, having that mindset of you know what I really want to talk to you about the situation and I will I generally tell people when you once you do a self-reflection about a situation it gives you an understanding of where you went wrong possibly Mm. or how you contributed to the conflict that's on ground okay you know
0: that's that sounds really interesting. I think this is like the third time you've brought up self-reflection. Um, I do a lot of personal self-reflection with my morning routine. You know, going back to the prior day and things I need to walk back on and things of this nature. I have like little checklist of things I go through. But, when you talk about this self-reflection in our relationships with our friends like what am i reflecting on if um and i'm going to circle back to just this word from the bible which says that you know you know if we can afford it I, I'm, I'm not quoting verbatim because i don't know how to do that But if we can afford it, we should never let the night go down on our anger. Mm -hmm. And then somewhere else, like we should try to be at peace with all men. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, So, how do you use that? And then self reflection at the same time. Like, what am I self reflecting on? I I saw my friend today, and then maybe like we had a a situation that I felt at the moment I should have spoken up, but I didn't. And then I'm doing my self reflection the next morning. What prompts would you suggest that I have on a sheet to help me think about that relationship the day before?
1: So I generally you know, what I do as an individual is look at the situation and truly try to analyze what may have occurred for it to get to that point of conflict, so to speak. So, and when I say self reflection, I'm looking at what role I played Mm. in, in getting to that point of getting this individual to sort of maybe be upset with me or upset with the situation that I'm in or how they reacted to me. So the self-reflection I mean is the role I played. Like I would do almost like a redo of events in my mind, in my head and literally come up with the steps of what occurred Mm. to that point of conflict. Mm. So that helps me Um, get a better idea of what I may have done to cause that person either aggression, agitation, conflict, or whatever negative connotation I received from that person. So that helps me communicate, like, because if you own your own aspect of the conflict, I think it's a little bit better in the person's Uh, when you do uh, confront them. And when I say confront them, not necessarily aggressively, Mm -hmm. but have that discussion with them, you know, and you're already saying, well, I, with the situation that happened, this is how I perceived it. And this Mm -hmm. is the role I played, you know, kind of owning your part. That makes things, I think, a little bit better, so Mm -hmm. to speak. You're not, quote unquote, chiming all the blame on them. Because it takes two to tango and there's something that I may have done to have had the other person react towards me, especially if it's a friend that I do care a lot about, you know, and I value that relationship. Why would my friend just be blunt with me? So there's something that I may have done. And that's why I said, when I do the self-reflection, I do almost like a video playback in my mind to try to figure out what role I played and own it. That makes things a lot more on a softer ground when we're trying to have a difficult communication or difficult discussion.
0: Okay. Oh, that is, um, (laughs) that's really deep, but I like this. I think maybe we could rescue relationships at least 50% of women. can restore their relationship. So thank you so much for um, for sharing that. Um, so I know in our earlier chit chats, um, there was a word I wrote down. I was wondering if you could elaborate on it. It's how can, um, so this is back to the grief, grief. How can we handle, how we handle grief determines how we recover. Um, can you explain that a bit? Yes,
1: uh, how we handle to grief determines how we, reco- we recover. Hmm. I mean, I think in a way, you know having the necessary getting the necessary help, it, it's important in how we recover. And what I mean getting the necessary help, either, either it could be from you know either if you're a Christian or Muslim or um, you have some kind of faith that you believe in getting some kind of um, spiritual help, I think kind of gives some form of relief and how we can heal, so to speak. Also um, getting some form of counseling or therapy goes a long way in how we can truly recover or get to a point where we can recover when we're grieving. I also um, would like to say that depending on the dynamic of the relationship, you know, that helps us recover Uh, either quickly or on a more of a slower path. Mm. So if you are, let's say, you know, a loved one, like a spouse you've been married to and things were going well and everything is fine, then, you know, they got sick and they died. You know, that's going to take a while before they can truly recover because this almost was sudden, so to speak. Um, And let's say they're also young and they have children or they have huge responsibilities together, you know? So the dynamics of the relationship and how um, one is able to process the loss gives a better understanding of how they can recover. So everybody has different ways that they can recover, so to speak. Um, Some people, it might take them eight weeks, it might take them a year or two. So it really depends, Um, but, Overall, the goal is to try as much as possible to be positive, have that positive mindset, you know, um, in all that we do. Even as a counselor, I do counsel people that have lost a spouse suddenly or a child, you know, and um, having to live up with the point where I see that they're getting to that acceptance stage is when they're looking at their picture and they're smiling. Mm, mm. when they're looking at their picture and they're uh crying they're agitated they're 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 not there yet Hmm. they're not there yet but when you look at the picture and the when you're smiling or you know having that means you're having a flood of positive memories about that individual
0: Uh, okay okay and
1: that's an indication of we're getting to the acceptance stage
0: Mm. you know I think one of the other guests that I spoke with there was a moment where she used the word and it was substantial a substantial loss affects you kind of more than something else and and for me I kind of held on to that word from that Mm -hmm. that interview because it what you said is exactly what she meant and you know the loss of a loved one a spouse either through death or divorce or the loss of a parent or even a child you know that would just mess your um your psychology up I believe in in a way that's different than say losing like, um, a, you know, a first cousin or a second cousin or, or even a friend that you're an acquaintance. Um, mm-hmm. So I see where that affects you. I know with my own dad, it affected me really, really well. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like I've progressed in life because um, I think I'm doing well on this stage with my, <laughs> with my dad compared to um, any other thing. Hmm. I want to ask you about a therapy. Hmm. So, So with everything we've shared about friendship and about loss, are you telling me that I can come to your office and we can have a therapy session about my personal relationship with my girlfriend, and you'll give me all the same tools that we kind of shared now, like and other tools, because mm-hmm. you know, this is an interview, to to help me be better in yes. my relationship and as a person generally. like this is what therapy is. Tell me something.
1: Yes. I mean, I think therapy is underestimated, the power of therapy, you know, and having to seek counsel um, when it comes to um, relationships or the loss of a loved one or some form of pain or trauma that someone has been through. You know, counseling therapy sessions, psychotherapy sessions are just um, powerful tools that um, we are yet to truly recognize, uh, even in this stage of, um, and now I think there is a lot more of a need for therapy now, especially with the COVID uh, pandemic 19 that we're in right now. Um, There's so much need for therapy because a lot of people would just to have a difficult time coping um with the death of loved ones or losing of a job or um being displaced financially um or in their home or just uh, children not doing well you know things like that um so yes uh, i do offer counseling sessions and therapy sessions nothing in depth per se uh but I can certainly um, work with individuals that are traumatized or um, going through grief or going through relationship problems, either with with parents versus children and vice versa, um, even friendship. you know, I'm able to give them tools and resources on how to um, overall see themselves, how mm-hmm. what role they play in the in the relationship, and how they can be better individuals, um, and try as much as possible not to carry too much internally, because a lot of times we tend to internalize our pain and our uh, emotional unwellness, which can overall uh, which can overall affect us physically as well. So I am able to offer uh, you know, therapy sessions, counseling sessions to really help people who are definitely in need to overcome uh, the, the situation that they're in. So emotional wellness um, is yeah. so important you know, that if we neglect it, Um, can really be devastating to us as as an individual because it would affect our relationship with our children, our loved ones, and it can be a deterrent uh, to developing um, being a better person, so to speak. So yes, counseling is offered in my office, my practice, as well as uh, psychotherapy. But if there is a need to uh, really dig deep into more um, crucial and more sensitive issues, then I certainly would refer you out.
0: Okay. So um, do you do psychological testing?
1: No, I don't. Um, to- yes, I have to refer out to a psychologist. Okay. Um, that, um, that's all they do. That's what, what they are trained for. So I definitely would uh, refer out so that you can get the best care that is needed. And if there's a need to follow up with me, certainly I'm available to do that and offer medication if medication if that's necessary as well.
0: Okay, that's really good. Thanks for answering that. I just recently decided to do a psychological test, um, and my insurance covered it. So um, I think people should use all the resources they have when it is free and available Mm -hmm. to find out. you know to just be more self aware i guess is it for me i feel like growing up <clears throat> there are a lot of open secrets in families mm. you know people behave certain ways and you know they may say ah eh, like you know she's just like that or you know they just take after their mother or they just take after their father or like you know, you have one uncle that always gets angry, but I really believe like if if you can dig deeper, and and find out if there is a name for the way you behave, then you're closer to to helping even the next generation. Not yours, not just. It's not even just about you. It's about now you know that then you get coping strategies. It doesn't need to be medicine. It could be, you know, tools and strategies. And then you pass that on to the next generation. Like they are definitely going to be better. I am, my voice is up a little bit. (laughs) Because I, you know, at the end of the day, my thing is I just want people to be better. Of but, course, you know, and once you're better, once people continue to, to, to partake in things that make them better, you are impacting the next generation. Like absolutely, they, they absolutely, already on the step stool to, to like the wellness. Yeah. So, um, again. I definitely
1: think, I think, I really think it's, it's an important, um, aspect of life. Once you, recognize that um, there is a problem in the way you react to certain things, or you get quite irritable or upset excessively. Um, You know, some people tend to say, well, that's who she is, or that's Mm. her personality. Um, But there is something that's triggering that. Mm. Mm -hmm. It's something that they've been exposed to, or what they've seen growing up. And that's how maybe the people they grew up, up around with um, handle anger or handled um, difficult situations. So that just portrays on, and it just st- sticks to the individual, and it becomes part of them. Um, and obviously, that's not a good way to address situations. You know, you don't have to be upset. You don't have to be uh, excessively angry, um, and have this negative connotation about you uh, as an individual. So. Once that is recognized, um, I think it's important to seek the care and just try to figure out, you know, let's talk about how you grew up, you know, and mm-hmm. what were you exposed to as a child? It could be some form of abuse mm-hmm. that uh, may shape that individual to who they are, you know, and they could be a better person if they get the right tools and resources that is needed for them to overcome that um, that fear or that uh, that negative um so to speak, what they were exposed to and why they're so apprehensive and uh, defensive. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: mm-hmm. If, if individuals have those um, tools, they're able to pass it on to the next person, to their child, to their nephew, to their nieces or people around them, you know, in their communities that, hey, you know, something is, they would be able to even recognize that in, in another person and give them the help that they got, you know, or at least sort of, direct them to a direction of getting care so not yeah like you said not everything is medication i generally tell my patients when they come to me because often or not often not a lot of patients uh, that come they expect you to give them something Mm. you know and many times it's expected oh medication you know, if you give me medication, it's going to fix me. And that's the very wrong concept that I tell patients all the time. You know, sometimes we need some deep therapy um, to really help you overcome the depression or the anxiety that you're feeling or your personality, because Genetics, of course, play a huge role, but also the society and the community that you grew up in and the people around you and what you've been exposed to. Those things uh, play a huge role in forming an individual, their character, who they are as as an individual. So having to understand those things and trying to help them um, see things in a more positive aspect. Does help them to be a better person so they can leave a, a more, um, good legacy. Mm-hmm. So
0: because it's not always about money, you know, like, oh my gosh, if you can just give a child like that tool, oh, you know, I just see, I, sometimes I feel sad, you know, that at least in my community in the Nigerian community, a lot of things were not given names grow- you know growing up, but I'm grateful that you know maybe like you like I was shipped from here to Nigeria, but maybe like it hurt when you were younger, but then you see the beauty of that experience that I actually got to live in Nigeria, and I remember like you'd see people that they called weary right and Of course they were demon possessed and everything until you realize later oh that person probably had like
1: a mental disorder right really bad one
0: right and like they were just left to them to to their own self like nobody could help them you know it was deemed spiritual when it was really just a medical condition um now uh, in that same family because they've denied that person they would assume that they don't have any of that in their own blood.
1: Mm. But,
0: you know, tw- 20 years later, you might have one person that gives birth to a child and lo and behold. They have that same feature. Exactly. Uh, you know, but if you're dealt with it then, but thank God, you know, we're in a better dispensation and, you know, there's internet and then there's medicine. And I also love that, you know, a lot of people are more aware of 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 medical mental health and mental wellness so that you know we're able to to see those things in a different light now Mm. um we still have a
1: long way to go i would say we do (laughs) we have a long way to go even though there is this um awareness but uh people still um and that's why i say that a lot of times especially in the nigerian community um you know having uh, providers and uh clinicians that are well trained and have the skills set going into places of religion faced uh, based like churches or mosque, mm. mosque and things like that. So they could truly, um, care it because when everything is so tied into spiritual, um, we miss the, the, the person that's supposed to get that care is missed and overlooked. And, um, it, and it carries on in their character. It carries on in who they are and they're not able to thrive. Hmm. So Mm -hmm. we have a long way to go. There's so much need. The stigma of mental health is still there. And um, slowly but surely, I think with uh, people like myself that's very passionate about um, spreading the word and letting mental health be uh, pushed to the forefront, Mm -hmm. I think would be very, very helpful in our community, in our society, so that um, people can get the help. And if they need medicine, they need medicine. You know, some Mm -hmm. illnesses need medicine. You know, just like hypertension, you know, you have a thyroid problem, and, you know, we try our best to, you know, do what we can. But if you need to be on your thyroid medication or your hyper, you know, your hypertension medication, so be it, you know. And then we begin to also work with um, change of lifestyle, you know, and then in that sense, and the mental health aspect is getting therapy, you know, so that they can get the help that they need. All around, not just taking medications per se, but also helping shape in their character. You know, having that shift in mindset to mm-hmm. help. So yes, we do have a long way to go. But I mean, I think that the
0: awareness is coming out slowly but surely.
1: But um, we we still have a long way to go.
0: As we round up, I'm going to ask you to share maybe any future projects that you have in the works. That's one. Um, and then of course, where people can find you.
1: Well, um, I recently just opened my practice. So my goal right now, the next, uh, few months to a year is to really hone on into managing my practice and making sure it thrives and do well, um, you know, and just expand. So to speak and get the word out there for the services that I offer, um, I do love to travel as well. I do a lot of medical missions. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to do that this past year due to the pandemic. I'm hoping that this year I will be able to Um, at least visit one country. Uh, My goal is to at at least visit one or two countries a year to really give back into the medical community because um, there's so much need out there uh, in terms of medical and also psychiatric mental health. So my goal is to um, do that at least once a year if I can and just give back, spend about a week or two outside of my comfort zone and just sacrifice and give back. So those are some of the things that I I'm looking forward to doing hopefully with COVID-19 pandemic permitting that. Um, I'm located uh, in um, and around the County. My address is 1412 Crane Highway North Suite 3A. Um, my phone number if anyone needs to reach me, uh, the office is 410-595-5029, um, where it's a small practice, but we take up patients very, very uh, personally, uh, our goal is we partner with you. So we always want to make sure that um, we're partnering with our patients and their families to making sure that they're doing well and thriving overall. Um, The unique aspect of my practice is that I do have the medical background as well. So that uh, gives a patient uh, a full spectrum of their health. So not just the mental aspect of the emotional aspect, but also the medical aspect as well. So I'm very, very excited about um, Holistic Touch Healthcare and what is going to offer the community um, and, you know, everybody that comes across with it as a whole.
0: Thank you so much for sharing that. And we're so excited for your business, too. Um, we look forward to you doing great things Thank in Anne Arundel County and then, you know, hopefully with the Nigerian community as a whole. And on that note, so bye, everyone. Bye. bye.